Ahoy, Noiros! Welcome to another edition of Out of the Podcast. Possible World War Three on the way. We will see. <laughs> Hopefully everything is resolved by the time this episode even comes out. Maybe I could edit this out. That would be lovely. Hope but so. in the meantime, we got Fancy Dan and Gentleman Joey here to say, uh, can we all just get along? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, ho- I'm hoping so. It's, it's, it's been rough. We're, uh, we're sending out our love to Ukraine and everyone in pain. Fingers 100%. crossed, everybody. Uh, welcome to the show. We got ice skating today. I mean, that's that's semi-topical. There's also the Winter Olympics, right? Yes. I, no I don't, on ice. I, I... <laughs> nothing, nothing, uh, nothing like it. That's for sure. Yes. Oh, one that's of, one the of truth. a kind. Yeah. How is everything, Dan? Otherwise, you've been all is well. Yeah. Otherwise, it's been okay. I, I wanted to mention because we've been talking about it. I think outside. I don't. I can't remember if we talked about it, but uh, I know we talked about it at least outside the podcast. I picked up the the 1948 Three Musketeers hey! uh, on Blu-ray through Warner Archive, and I watched it yesterday. Um, what, did, what did you think of this uh, masterpiece? I thought it was delightful. I loved it's it. It's wonderful, right? Yeah. yeah. I really, I had a really good time. It definitely hit a little bit of a of a lull towards like the three quarter mark towards it's the not, end. It's not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But all in all, I love the cast. I mean, incredible cast list. Um, yeah. I, I thought the amount of humor in it, I was not expecting. Yes. Um, and I enjoyed it for that. I feel uh, like that's the musketeers, on. though, you know, like, yeah, it is. It, it is, is a lighthearted affair, but also there's there's stakes at, at hand as well. Yes. The fighting scenes were amazing. The technicolor looked beautiful. I was about to say the biggest shout yeah. out of all with this new restoration is how good it looks. Oh, my yes. God. Yeah. Just yes. Amazing. Well, done. Yeah, I had yeah. a great time. Perfect. Like Saturday afternoon, just being lazy, hanging out. And like, I'm just going to throw this on and and just get kind of immersed in the world. And and Perfect. Uh, and yeah, it, it, I had a great time. I really like minute I got into it. I was just like, this is great. Like, yeah, I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, I'd, I'd seen the trailer, but I'd never watched the movie. So I was very, I was very kind of, it came in relatively cold, I would say. Um, but um, I mean, you yeah. know, you know, the basic story. There's that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But how, how it would play out. And I, uh, I love uh, what's his name. Um, I always, I'm always going to mess up his last name for some reason, but uh, he's like a favorite actor of mine from this era um oh, let me look it up because my brain is not too good these days frank morgan uh he's oh, okay. a, he, he plays plays the king yes um and he's also i mean most famously he's the the wizard of oz but also he's in um the shop around the corner uh which is one of my favorite christmas movies and uh he's just he's amazing i, I think he's such a a great actor and uh, he was great in this he's just very funny but yeah i mean the whole cast i mean you know you got vincent price lana turner um, a lot of old friends on that in yeah. that one yeah yeah exactly and is it uh somebody else uh what's her name is in it maybe it wasn't her for some reason i thought there's like that one maid that was kind of like conspiring mm-hmm. but i had her confused with somebody else so never mind okay <laughs> i thought it was somebody else but it's not her well but, all, f- all for one one for all over there yes but yes all in all i i i enjoyed it it was very good i'm glad to hear i'm glad it was a a worthy purchase. Uh, yes, it was. I got, I got the newest Dollar Country. Oh, oh the Ozarks one. The yes, Ozarks I saw one. That. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely the best one yet. There was a song on side B that just blew me away. Really? Can't recommend that enough. Also, just Dollar Country in general. You want to talk Patreons. There's a good mm-hmm. one. There's you get Patreon. some exclusives. Then I got something I ordered back in June of last year. Wow. Everyone's like, what? Where is this freaking thing? And the dude went silent. 
But then all of a sudden he popped up and he said, hey, the printer broke. Your orders are going out. And then this thing just arrived. It was a comic printed on receipt paper. Oh, wow. I mean, I could keep unrolling it, unrolling it, but it's it's uh, it's pretty neat. I bet I actually haven't even seen the complete thing. I'm afraid to unroll the the whole (laughs) one. I kind of wish I got a second one and I still may. But yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. So worth the way this is from the artist CF, most known for Power Masters. Also did a lot of noise music on Load Records if, for the music fans out there. Mm-hmm. You know, from that Fort Thunder, Providence, Rhode Island scene, your lightning bolts and whatnot. Yeah. That's good awesome. stuff. Yeah, that was really cool. So uh, that was good. And then uh, I watched Licorice Pizza the other night, finally. Oh, yeah. How was that? It was okay. But I will say what I always say. Uh, PTA movies, I got to watch them a couple times before I really know what I think. Yeah. I don't know if it's expectation or you're just really taking it in. But it was good. Uh, Bradley Cooper made up for his performance in Nightmare Alley with this. He was hilarious as John Peters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I definitely want to see it. I I haven't gotten around to it yet, but it's definitely on my list. Yeah, it was um, it was fine. But but we'll see. But I I think overall, even like going back to it and and knowing what to expect and taking in more of the sights and the soundtracks and whatnot. uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know how highly I would rank it in the overall like, you know, I wasn't getting a lot of. you know, it's kind of more in like the punch drug love kind of vibe, but like not, you know, like a little less whimsical and delightful. And okay, with teeth, so punk drug love meets like fast time Ridgemont High. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> like honestly, like a little bit, yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's pretty good. But that there was, was kind of what I sort of expected in a way. Yeah, there's some good stuff in there though, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I I want to I want to see it. Yeah, I think that's it as far as things that left an impression on me. Well, I think there's something important that you might want to talk about. Uh-oh. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> well, Dan had just dropped the news. Kino has swiped another one in their their bid for 4K dominance, which they they're doing it. They're getting some yeah. insane licenses licenses uh and they're like swiping them all from Criterion including Night of the Hunter. They got that 4K yeah. coming and that, I mean, that's one that I will absolutely get. Like, that movie just looks so good that I want it to look 4,000 times good. <laughs> I mean, the, the criteria, I'll say the criterion looks great. Uh, so, it looks I mean, incredible. Yeah. But, Dan, we're in this new world. We're getting more and more pristine. I, yeah. I keep threatening it. It's going to happen soon. I'm going to get the TV and the player. <laughs> and at that point, I'm, I'm not going back. Okay. Yeah, but, I mean, I saw that. Like the, it Literally, like, I just happened to be looking... And it just posted on, on Twitter. I was like, I can't even keep up wow. with these Kino announcements. It's, yeah, I mean, it's they had a the bunch time. of Kubricks in a row. I mean, they have like the um, Killing and uh, Paths of Glory. Yep. Just, you know, Touch of Evil, which, you know, Criterion didn't have. But that one. That's know, a, is, that was a big get. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But they are they are definitely like going but after some heavy hitters from Criterion. Criterion has double indemnity 4K on the way, which is yes. a, big, a big get for sure. I'm excited to see that. But. I don't know. I mean, the good thing about Kino, too, is like like Warner Archive, they're just giving you the poster, too. Like, they're not screwing around with art, so you don't really have to be, you know, hold your breath and don't know what to get. Like, that double indemnity art is, like, it's good, but there's just something about it, particularly in Barbara Stanwyck's face, <laughs> artwork-wise, that just... I don't know why they just don't do more, like, photographs and, like, design elements. I I, I don't know. I, they're just... They're losing me, but I've, I've gone yeah. on the record of this. Yeah, it seems like they have tended more recently to do more artistic representation drawings than actual like screen stuff. Sometimes I think it definitely can work 
based on the movie. And sometimes I don't think it translates so great. So it, it, it really does depend on what it is. I think, uh, I think it's been particular... a long time since we've gotten that stylistic, like interesting artist. Like it's very, yeah. it's like, it might as well be a photograph with what they're doing. Like even like leave her to heaven, which did look good overall. I will say, yeah. but like, no, it, I, I like that one. It's that thing where they're just taking a photograph and then just drawing that. And it's like, is that ultimately worth it? I don't know. Yeah. I'd also like to see them do more like flippable covers, you know? Yeah. They, Reversibles. They haven't really gotten into that. That yeah. really hasn't been their thing. That would be interesting. But I, I, I give, I definitely give them an A for the, 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 the packaging. I think packaging wise, they, they usually do an excellent job, you know, especially if it's like a, a DVD or Blu-ray digipack where he's got the pullout and it's got maybe like a, you know, die cut and it's got the book. And, you know, I, I like when they do stuff like that. When Lone Wolf and Cub is still the greatest one because it has that yeah. hidden map. Yes. They, like they do stuff like that. And you're like, okay, this is cool. Like I appreciate it. Cool. But they when also they had distance. Paul Pope do the artwork of that one, which is, uh, you know, Paul Pope is always going to be the greatest mm. on art on that. Um, they're just, I don't know, different times. I feel like we're losing the staples now in these booklets. It's all fold outs. I don't want to fold. I want to flip. I guess because I think the content's less. I think the, the articles tend to be a little bit more concise, I guess, and they don't have as much content. So some are. I mean, they might be perfect bound or something like that instead of stapled. But yeah, I have noticed there's been more fold outs recently for sure. Um, yeah. But is there a we'll staple see. shortage? I've got plenty I could supply. Uh -huh. I've got a couple of staples. Maybe I have to reach out and say, hey, I want more written content, you know? I'm just going to reach out and say, hey, and then see what happens from there. Or that. Hey, you might get a response. You never know. Hey. You don't know until you try. It's true. I mean, my whole life has been rolling the dice with emails, honestly, and, and seeing what yeah. comes from it. So I, I, I definitely I've witnessed am, that firsthand from you. It, exactly. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a promoter of that. It, it, yeah. it definitely works for the most part. But yeah, I guess I guess that's it. You ready to get in? Are you feeling the suspense, Dan? I have been. And you know, what? I was thinking about it like I was I was trying to avoid it, but I want to use the phrase i don't want to leave people in suspense but of how i feel about this movie but oh boy i absolutely love this movie I, I i couldn't i think we all knew that was going to be the case yeah but i i can't wait to talk about this what is that <laughs> so we got double i got double, two, indemnity, double indemnity on that on that side two copies this one arrived it had like a dent in the back of it and i said amazon that's no good so they sent me another one i still need to send this back but oh I figured I'd just show the two copies. Okay. As soon as I saw the back of this, I realized I had seen this movie. This this was on Noir Alley uh, in November of 2020, right before mm -hmm. we started the podcast. So I didn't remember the name. Ice Skating Noir would have done the trick. But yeah, I have actually seen this one. So it was nice to check it out again. It had been enough time where it wasn't too fresh on my mind. But mm -hmm. I mean, you see that the, the Ring of Swords, you're instantly going to know what movie you saw. So... Uh, let's get into it. No more suspense, everybody. It's Death in the Dark and Murder on Ice was the tagline for this one. Episode 61. It's suspense. We've said it a million times, so you, you know what it's called. Suspense. Released June 15th, 1946. This one's going to be produced by our old friends, the King Brothers Productions. They did Gun Crazy, of course. We went into them then. What was it episode four or five? Go back then and figure it out. You know, it's the early ones. You'll see it there distribution by monogram pictures you know from old poverty row which means this movie must have cost a couple of bucks right oh wait we'll get into it uh yes <laughs> directed by frank tuttle and written by philip Jordan. well welcome to the show everybody uh, welcome. welcome to it 
there's a great intro of this movie with the fake out with the gun. Oh, it's, um, I was waiting for you to say it because I love it. I forgot about it, actually, because I, I have seen this movie as well. But I, I loved it. It's such a good fake out. It's amazing. It's amazing because it was like it, it, it reminded me of our last movie, Illegal, which has a lot of just straight. It starts with gunfire like that. I'm like, here yeah. we go again. Um, and, and even like going through the synopsis is online. I'm seeing it was in none of them. I almost forgot about the moment. But yeah, it's it just really great. There's this beautiful woman. And it's just this brutal, like, gunfire. You see her, like, finger just pushing the trigger. Like, it, it's real two visceral. Guys, two guys menacing, like, next yeah, to two, her. Yeah, right next to her. And it looks like, oh, boy, somebody's going to get it. But no, like, we're at a carnival or whatever. And she's just shooting at, like, duck targets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it was It's so good. So right off the bat, we're having a great time. And we're going to go ahead and meet Joe Morgan. This is our Barry Sullivan. Barry Sullivan. Uh, what an interesting guy. Uh, yes. A very, very strange leading man for this movie. It, he does a weird job, is, is what I'll say. Not bad, just just weird. Just a weird job. I think um, it's why I kind of like it, because he is a weird leading he's, guy. He's so. one, you could put this on a list of just like, yeah, the weird like leading guys that you just would never see coming. But yeah, Barry Sullivan, everybody. He's arriving in from Los, uh, in from New York in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. He's on the run from something, though. We're, we're not quite sure what it is. And spoiler alert, you're really not going to find out what it is, mm-hmm. which, I, which I do like. He's looking for work, and he's directed to an ice skating show. It, it's a big deal there. There's a neon lit marquee, and it says that it stars Roberta Elva. And up top of that, even, we got the boss's name, Frank Leonard. Must be quite the big shot, but I'm sure we'll never meet him. Anyways, mm-hmm. Joe, he... Seems to get on the good side of old Harry Wheeler, who is Frank's right-hand man. I would say his left-hand man is his cat. Yeah. Black cat, you'll see, who really blends in with the shadows a lot of the time. You're like, what are those eyes right there? Oh, it's his cat. Cool. And so Wheeler's like, yeah, I like you, Joe. You can work here. You're going to work on the peanut racket, you know, selling peanuts at the ice show. And Joe, he sucks at it. (laughs) He's not good at it whatsoever and instantly... Just sits down on the job, just putting down the peanuts and, and watching the main event for free. Which and, I, it's just great. I, I love the, it's I, great. the ice sequence. Ice sequences in this movie are great. I mean, obviously, it's the highlight of it. I mean, that's what they're highlighting. But And, and they get better awesome. because this first one uh, is interesting. It's like a play on ice. Like, it's very bizarre. But the ice skating, of course, is just so mesmerizing. And you, you see, of course, uh, our Roberta Leonard, who is uh, Belita only known as Belita, played by yes. Belita, a real-life ice skater. We'll get into fun facts about her mm-hmm. in a bit. But um, I also have some, real quick, I have some theories about some correlations between the placement of the ice scenes and the plot of the movie. Okay. Um, so I have some interesting theories I'll get to at the end of the movie. But Oh, at the end? Of, okay, fair yeah, enough. I'll, I'll wait just so we get through everything, so I don't want to give any spoilers yet. I would say with this movie, too, it's like an hour 47, I think. You know, it, it's, it's definitely... 101. You know, yeah. Hour 41. Okay. So at times it may feel like that, but I think a lot of that is just because of the ice skating sequences take up a lot of real estate. Yeah. Um, and those are, that's the best stuff. I mean, you're, you're never bored right. by that. I mean, I'm never bored by anything in this movie, probably, honestly. I'm, no, I'm, I mean, I'm exactly. It. No, it, it, it definitely moves along and, and you're never bored. But I'm just saying, if you're like, oh God, that runtime, it is just like, you're going to be in these ice skating sequences for a little bit, but they're always mesmerizing. For me yeah. personally, the most mesmerized I've really ever been by ice skating. And I respect yeah, it, but I'm not neat. putting it yeah. on. Yeah, they're neat. Exactly. But they don't really get to show up in movies too often. And it does here. Film noir ice skating. You never thought you'd see it. <laughs> but here we are. I, I, I love every minute of it. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, it, it's an interesting first ice skating sequence. Like it is just like everyone's in a play, like on ice, and and the crowd is bored with it. And you can see why, but once again, it isn't because it, it's boring, but it's just like, you know, you're going out to a show, you're expecting a little razzle-dazzle. So Roberta Elva, also Leonard, uh, there's some other last names. Leonard, she's married to Frank Leonard, who's the boss, but she goes by Roberta Elva. So mm-hmm. choose your adventure. We'll just call her Roberta, you know, Belita as Roberta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love one-namers. They're always very fascinating to me. So yeah, she's she's killing it on the ice and Joe is really taken by this. He's ready to just straight up wolf whistle. And after the show, he just right away hits on her. But then Frank Leonard shows up and he's like, uh, I'm the boss, man. Fuck you, dude. Uh, that, whole sequ- that whole first sequence with the car is great. He's like, am I in your way? I saw your act tonight. You've got plenty of nerve for a girl. You have plenty of nerve, period. Oh, look, I'm not trying to get fresh. I work here. At what? Well, right now, I, um, I sell peanuts. <laughs> Mind your way. Oh. oh, really? Yeah, it's just, it's so, it's so good. I, I really love how uh, Albert Decker, as, as Frank Leonard, how he plays it. it it's fascinating because he's never like, it's never running past him. He's aware of everything that's going on with this. He's yeah. Like, this guy's clearly here to hit on my wife. And I think in many ways, he wants to have a little fun with it. He feels pretty confident with, yeah. with his relationship. And rightfully so. I mean, you know, things happen, but I don't feel like Belita or, or Roberta ever falters, you know, like she definitely loves her husband. Sure. But yeah, Wheeler, he's like, yeah, Joe, come on, dumb, dumb. Those two are married. Clearly, that's the boss. You got to chill out, man. Uh, Wheeler is a fascinating guy. Uh, yeah. Eugene Pallet in his last role. We'll get into him. He's, he is a scumbag, so <laughs> don't want yeah. anyone to find him likable thus far. But Joe does not chill out whatsoever. He starts making suggestions to make the show better. He's really hustling. And he's like, hey, why not have it jump through, I don't know, a fucking ring of knives? <laughs> <laughs> and I love the way that he like, you know, says, like, oh, I don't think she can do it. You know, it might be too dangerous. And so kind of like digging into her to maybe be like, oh, no, I can do it. I can do it. Yeah, because she absolutely wants more excitement with her show. Right. She's feeling bored by it, too. And and if anything, she's like the biggest cheerleader of this. She's like, hey, let's do it. Yeah, I'll jump through knives. It sounds great. Yeah. But everyone's also a little like, yeah, she's jumping through knives. I'm a little nervous about it, especially Frank. But he's also impressed enough with this idea that, you know, as a businessman, we got to do this. And, and Joe, he brought it to him. He's a cocky guy. Let, let's see what we can do with him. So he lands himself an assistant job uh, and he's instantly a total dick about it too. Like he does not seem like anyone you want to work for whatsoever. You know, he gets called Joey a couple times in this movie and I, I appreciate ultimately it, its use, but I think mostly we disown this guy. <laughs> the, the Joey community. Yes, you're speaking for the whole community. Just him as a boss is not how we would treat it. You know, there's other moments where yeah. you're like, that's fine. I, I get it, but. Yeah, just we we would not run the ship that way. So Frank, he's like, I don't want to see my wife get shredded to death on the ice stage. So he's like, I'm going to go to Chicago. Uh, He sets up a trip there because he's looking to buy another ice rink. And he leaves Joe in charge while he leaves to watch over everything. And this is where we get the next ice show, the ice show. I mean, this is the greatest sequence of the entire movie. The show is amazing. There's this amazing backdrop of like a devil skull face thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she, and she, she smashes through yeah. it. Yeah, she pops out. I mean, it's so cool. I'm sure this is our episode screenshot. We'll find out. 
she she's also has this amazing like very sexy dark outfit i mean it's like mm. the whole atmosphere of it is incredible and, and she's skating around and the way she like you know does her loops and she's whipping her face back and like you know so like her body is moving but her face is almost static and it's very fascinating and yeah you really have to to give it to director frank tuttle like you know, I don't know what his experience is with filming ice skating, but he really, he did a fantastic job with this. It was pretty well blocked. I mean, I think overall, like as a director, you know, he's, he's competent, but I think he just got lucky with a lot of like great set design and professionals. Like, I think she really knew what she was doing. I, I know she helped with a lot of like the the staging of those ice shows and stuff like that, but I, I, it just, it really turned out great. And also great cinematography by Carl Struess in this mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I love Belita in this. I think she's great. I, yeah. I think like everything about her, I just I, I think is excellent. It's fascinating yeah. how good she is considering that she just comes from uh, you know an ice skating background. Right, so, right. And just kind of got swept up into this world of Hollywood and, and and found a way to succeed at it. And this is kind of the one time where she is able to also show her craft off yes. on top of figuring out how to act. And yeah, it should not work whatsoever, but it, it really does. So yeah, just a great sequence. And then she she does the quick jump through the knife ring. And of course, it is very impressive. And the crowd goes apeshit. It, it, it's great. Everybody wants a piece of this. So everyone's riding high on the success. Joe and Roberta, they go out to dinner. And she seems to be softening up to him a little bit in his advances, but not enough to go home with them. She's still a married woman. And so he heads back to his place feeling great until wouldn't you know it? His ex is there waiting for him. This mm-hmm. is Ronnie, who's played by Benita Granville. She's great in this. Yes. Uh, she's she's really great in this role that's just kind of like in the background until it's not. But she's from New York, too. Now she lives across the hall, as you do. Yeah. And Joe wants nothing to do with her. He's he's now living a new life. He, he's killing part it. Of his old life, yeah. Yeah. And something happened in New York that he wants nothing to do with. He wants this fresh start, but Ronnie wants nothing to do with that. She will not be spurned. She will have her Joe. Real quick, did we? I think it happened when when he takes her out to dinner. Uh, there's a, she has a great line when because there's always that sequence where like people getting into the car and she always has to drive and 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 you see that from the first scene with with her and and Frank, yes. but also in this scene where she's like, "On second thought, you can't take me." Swell, I know a great spot. You want me to drive? Mm-mm. I always sit in the driver's seat. I believe she that actually was said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she says it. And it's like, obviously the double meaning, but I just love it. I think it's, I think it's so good. I, I just love that line. I love the, the context. It's just, it's it, it speaks to her confidence too. Yeah. Yes. So Joe doesn't want anything to do with Ronnie, but he does have those same feelings for Roberta. Mm-hmm. He really likes her a little obsessively. So, but she's loyal to Frank. Like I said, mm-hmm. she, she does love Frank and Frank comes back psyched on Chicago. He's like, this is great. We're, we're, we're making this happen. And Joe instantly becomes super jealous, which Frank notices because, like mm-hmm. I said, he's very astute. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to take my girl and head off to the snowy mountains. I've got a cabin there I use for hunting. Why don't you and I stay there for a little bit? Everything here is getting a little too weird and heated. You know, uh, why don't we end the show for a little bit? You're jumping through knives. Clearly, we got to cool things off. Bye, Joe. We're heading off. <laughs> yeah. And Joe does not take that very well. He's forced to hang out with Wheeler, which you do not want to do. Uh, yeah. So he, he makes up an excuse to head to the mountains and he's like, oh, yeah, uh, here's some important papers you need to sign. Uh, yeah. This had to be done. And oh, can I stay here, too? And Frank's like, oh, uh, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but well, I guess I'll just go back 20 miles. Yeah, no big deal. No, yeah. I want you to stay here. So, yeah, we tried to get away from you. And here you are. This is clearly going to be a problem. Real uh, quick, can we can we talk about the set design of this cabin interior? 
the like, whole thing is nuts um yeah. because like it's like on a stage yeah <laughs> but there's like n- nature elements like it's just such a mix of everything from the cabin to when we're outdoors here in a second like it's yeah. very surreal but it just looks amazing i mean th- this is also some of the best stuff right here yeah because it's like the, you have the downstairs which yeah like for most of the the shots it's like a looks like a normal like one story kind of cabin yeah. and then when it pans back and you see them go up the stairs there's like a spiral staircase that goes up yeah. really narrowly and then you got this like really interesting like set of like a weird door and it's just for this a second floor it just it blew my mind it was such a weird a weird very like you said surreal set design but it was cool i, I like i mean the set design in the whole movie i think was great but nothing but um, the best for frank leonard that's for sure yeah i suppose no it, it was that spiral staircase in particular because you know he's like all right guys i'll, I'll be back and you're like okay dude, dude, dude he's going up the stairs and then all of a sudden it is that right. spiraling whoa wait, wait a and second he's, li- he's listening in he's eavesdropping as he should yes and the next morning roberta she goes off to skate on the lake she's always practicing you know keeping her, her talents sharp and joe goes with her of course and and this is a very why don't you go with her yeah. he says. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know i got nothing planned but yeah it's a really a great amazing scene like i'm saying like the mix of stage and nature is really cool oh and- also real quick one and one thing that comes up a lot in this movie and, and there's one great show of it here is when he's sleeping on the couch in the the downstairs which yeah, was the other shocking part was how nice that cabin was. And it's still like, you're, you're sleeping on the couch, buddy. Like, we don't yes. have a room for you. <laughs> exactly. But if you notice, he's he's sitting up on the couch. And then on the wall, there's all these guns. And they're all point. They're like hunting guns, mostly like mostly rifles. And they're pointing at him. <laughs> so, like, it is like, it, it is very much like a, um, like almost like a premonition or like foreshadowing for what's about to happen. And there's a couple of things, themes of that in the movie. And I'll get to that. There's a, there's a big one towards the end of the movie, but I, I you could see that. I mean, there's that, one at the yes. end of the movie too. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's, and it's great. So I just um, wanted to point that out because, because we'll, as we'll get to. Well, we also see, we see Frank stewing away in that cabin a little bit too, while they're right. out skating. Um, we see those hunting guns again, but you know, for no reason whatsoever, they're not going to come back, but Frank goes out to get a little fresh air. He sees those two, and what they're doing, and he doesn't like it. And oh wait, he did grab a gun after all. Grab the nice long hunting rifle, special gun. Yes, as um, they say. And he goes to shoot at Joe, but it doesn't work. And the noise sets off an avalanche, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is, great. is wild. Yeah, they're like, oh god, what happened? And then uh, presumably kills Frank. No one can look for his body because it's buried in so much snow. And everyone they find is so his gun. <laughs> they find the gun and they're so confused on why he would use such an intense gun for this kind of hunting at this yeah. time of year. He had plenty of other guns, as we saw, but eh, I'm sure it's nothing anyways. Yeah. Roberta and Joe, they head back to L.A. The show resumes. But now with Joe's name on the marquee up top in Frank's Stephanie. place. Interesting. Maybe some of that foreshadowing you're talking about, Dan. And these two lovebirds are getting even closer, much to an observant Ronnie's dismay. She's. Like I said, still in the background. She doesn't like this. But things are also getting dark, too, because Roberta has not been handling Frank's death too well. And she mm-hmm. thinks that uh, he's still alive and haunting her in her apartment. Yes. And, and then at that apartment, there's also a party, which Joe then finds Frank's ring in the champagne glass and starts yes. freaking out. There's some and, great little touches in this yeah. movie, and that's one of them for sure. There's like so many things going on. You know, it's like we're saying, you're never bored by it because it just, it keeps adding and adding and building. So many fascinating plot points and interesting little touches that are just throughout the film that are just great. Yeah. 
And so one night in this office, Joe's there and it seems to be someone else there as well. And Joe sees him. And then we cut to Roberta and uh, Wheeler. They're hearing the noises. Like, oh, let me go check on that. And Roberta heads into the office and we see Joe closing this desk very quickly. He's locking it up. And he's like, oh, I'm protecting some important papers. Everyone all of a sudden is very suspicious of our papers. So yeah, uh, I'm going to be locking these up from now on. And Roberta's like, oh, I guess I buy that. Hey, wait a second. I just stumbled upon a pipe. Uh, it was Frank's pipe, which we've seen him smoking. And it's a very distinctive pipe. And Joe's like, oh, yeah, I, I saw that pipe. I love Frank's pipe. So I went out and bought the same one. I went to the same store, you know, the pipe store, as you do. So she leaves. And then we hear a noise coming from the desk. Oh, God damn. Someone's alive in there. But he yeah, opens it roll, up. Roll top desk. And he opens oh, it up. And it's a cat. It. We see the cat jump out, but we do see a body stuffed in there as well. But Which is awesome. It's awesome. But it's that per- desk is so played. small. Yeah. Like, you really yeah. had to stuff that body in there and you know frank was not a small man it's a great touch i think yes so the next morning roberta learns from wheeler that the desk has now been replaced with a new one and that joe went and burned the old one which wheeler was pissed about because he wanted that desk what the fuck man i wouldn't take that desk that's not cool chopped it and burned you know we we can't leave any desk behind yeah Uh, nothing weird about that you know immediately (laughs) no no weirdness there there is absolutely weirdness there. And Roberta yeah. does not buy this story whatsoever. So she heads down to the furnace where this desk was supposedly burned, looking for clues. And Joe appears out of nowhere, very spooky as well. Uh, I mean, the whole furnace vibe is very great and shadowy. And there's something interesting. And I, I, I couldn't tell if it was on purpose or they did it accidentally and they left it in because it works so well. But when he when Barry Sullivan walks down, his head knocks into this hanging lamp. Oh, yeah. And then it starts like swiveling. It's swinging as they're talking. I think it was on purpose. Yeah. Uh, I I, I I also thought that, too. I'm like, did he bump his head like his hat onto that? Like because it it seemed like a stylistic choice afterwards. Right. It did keep going. But I I thought the same thing. I'm glad you pointed that out. It's also like it's like uh, nothing against monogram, but it's like it's a monogram film. It's like maybe it was just a happy accident. Like they just like it, it. They did it. And then. They, they saw like, oh, maybe this is cool. Like, let's just let it go. Like, we're, we're running I don't know, Dan. quick schedule. I don't know. As we're about to allude to, this was a million dollar movie for Monogram. So they, they may have been their professional hats. Like, you know what? No, I don't want any of that typical bullshit. No fucking around, guys. Make sure you know what you're doing. Don't be bumping into lights or anything, huh? Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's just something, yeah, I definitely thought about as I was watching it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It, 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 I mean, it's cool. I mean, it looks great. It's a great effect. It was a great touch. Yes. So Joe, he, he's popping up all spooky like and he wants to know what Roberta has found in there. She has her hand closed and he's like, what would you find? He goes off rattling off all sorts of stuff. And then he knows he's, he's busted. Up, so he totally, yeah. yeah, he admits to everything and he begs to know what she found. And she opens up her hand and there's nothing in there. It's, it's a good touch. Great. Um, yeah. So now he's on the line and she wants him to confess to the cops about it or she's going to do it herself. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, old Ronnie's going to come pop up again as she does. She confronts Joe. She's been trying to find out why he left New York to get some dirt on him and to get him to come back with her. And she's like, I figured it out. I know why you left New York. I'm going to tell everyone if you don't come with me, we're going to go back probably ourselves. Let's do this. But it does not work. Joe has been pushed way too far to the edge and he freaks out on her and attacks her. And then he leaves. And then Joe, now he's worried about Roberta going to the cops. So he's back at the stage show. We got another knife hoop show to get on the ice. And he loosens one of the knives from the hoop, letting it slip a little bit, which would kill her. I love how it happens. So he strikes the match on the, yeah, the handle of it. And then he, and it jostles up a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. And he's like, hey, and wait he, a second. Wait, that's it. Yeah. Uh, it's just, oh, it's so good. 
So knowing that that's the case, it goes out on the ice. She starts to build up. She pops out of the cool little devil skull face thing. Another great show. And it looks like she's going to, she ramps up to jump through it. She's about to do it. And Joe feels so guilty. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. stop the show. Pushes it. Yeah. Yeah. It pushes. It's like, I love you. Don't do this. I'll, I'll go ahead and go to the cops. I'm redeemed. We're going to have ourselves a happy ending to this noir film. Uh, let's go ahead and get some fresh air outside, guys. Huh? We do that. But Ronnie's out there. Uh-oh. And she shoots him dead. You know, kind of another contrast to the beginning of the film. We, we do get to see a little uh, gunplay successfully. Because, you know, everyone else who fired a shot in this movie missed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Works this time. So she shoots him dead. And he's dying. Camera's zooming out from the alley. And we see the marquee again. You see Joe Morgan flashing and then it's just it's gone. And then no, it's just it's just Roberta. It's just just Roberta. Roberta. Yeah. 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 And I want to make a quick mention since since uh, we kind of went a little bit fast on it right leading up to when she's about to go on on to the ice for the last one. She visits Joe in the doorway. So she's in the doorway and you're and so you're looking out and she's standing in it. And then you see half of the the ring with the, the knives and she's in it, but it's the silhouette. It's the shadow of it. So it looks like she's standing in it and the knives are pointed towards her. And yeah. again, it's like one of those other things, like, again, like the, the rifles, are, I was just like, that is such a cool shot and such a great foreshadow. I, it's just like, oh, it's just like, I love it. It's they really so thought about everything. You know, there's yes. nothing, you know, makes me think less that that was accidental with that hat light. Scene, yeah. You know, because yeah. everything was so perfectly choreographed. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. And, and just, yeah, there's so many things I, I one thing I, I, I wanted to mention at one point was putting this DVD into the DVD player. Mm-hmm. I think this was maybe one of the first Warner archive releases ever. It's very uh, early. It's, it's so bare. I mean, it opens with a preview that's like, Hey, introducing the Warner archive. Yes. With so many movies I'd never even heard of. Uh, <laughs> yes. It was wild. And then, um, then it's like, gets to a screen where i'm like wait is this the menu screen and it was there's only a play movie as you may have figured out with our last episode there was no trailer there's nothing out there for this really but it's a good little one i would give this one 8.1 ice skates out of 10 wow yeah it's a great great film i yeah i agree that yeah it's definitely early on it's very bare bones i have a few that are like that from Warner archive from the early days the sound is not great i'm sure yes i had Dan was super bummed up. out with no subtitles because of that it could use uh a, you know a refresh on the sound the picture is good enough to upscale you know like it yeah. looks it looks fine for a dvd but the sound was rough but not impossible like you know like it wasn't static he was just could use a little more love but like we're I saying would... this was an early release from warner archive so I would love a Blu-ray release of this. Um, I, yeah, as I mentioned in the beginning, I, I love this movie. I think it's super underrated. I think it's definitely like such a fascinating film. I think it has all the elements you want in film noir and then even ones you would never expect with the ice elements. But again, kind of getting back to what I was alluding to earlier is the sequences with the ice where the beginning one, it's like that kind of very cheesy, like, you know, she's kind of running away from a couple of different suitors and it's like, yeah. almost like, almost looks like West Side Story on ice kind yeah, of almost exactly. in a way. But you know, there's this vying for her affection. And then what happens later is that there's this vying for her affection between a couple of different suitors. Later on, you have this kind of foreboding sense of death on ice with the, the skull and then the eluding the knives. And what happens next is the, the gunshot and the eluding of death on the ice. And then later on, 
it's the eluding of death again, but it's it's him kind of coming to, I guess, more of like maybe like a moral or a conscience of of saying, hey, like I'm going to move this aside and 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 kind of do what's right and not kill her. Um, but it's just interesting that I feel like in many ways it kind of parallels what's going on in, in the plot that comes after. And I think that's just really cool. It's really interesting. And that's something that I really picked up on, especially this this time around, uh, you know, seeing it, uh, you know, in additional time. But there's just so much, so many layers to this movie that for, again, you know, yeah, it, it was one of the biggest budget films of Monogram. But Monogram still is a very low budget poverty row studios at the time. So, I mean, they were very low budget films, but what they were able to create and do in this movie, I think is spectacular. Like I would totally recommend this. I think it's so neat. It's, it's such an engaging watch. Uh, so yeah, highly recommend. If you can find it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the you're DVD absolutely going to have to buy this DVD. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it's, you're going to get a DVD R, but yeah, I mean, it, it's cheap. It, it's going to come fast from your Amazon and, but yeah, definitely needs a little more love. I'm surprised that it is, you know, as uh, obscure that, that it is. Uh, it, it, there's so much that's cool it. about it. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Like, I mean, it's not derivative like a lot of film noir is. It really is just a very original story. Sure, you know, it captures the beats and the tropes a little bit, but, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's on ice, Dan. Very... <laughs> and, and you got Albert Decker, who's like a, a staple of film noir. Uh, we saw him in a, Killers, yeah. Kiss Me Deadly. Yeah, he's great. He, he's also in, uh, what's it called? Uh, Destination Murder. Uh, he's amazing in that. He was just an illegal, which we just did. So yeah, great, great actor. I don't want to hear about destination murder, Dan. You don't. <laughs> That's not, not going to say anything. That's not going to come up anytime soon. I've yeah, heard no, of that movie. I also forgot to point out. There's the uh, scene on the ice, and there's like a big musical number with the singer on the bongos, but he yes. is not hitting those bongos no. whatsoever. It is. It was so distracting. But yeah. Yeah, uh, there's that. <laughs> Interesting enough, that's one of the things I, I remembered vividly for whatever reason when I saw it on, on Noir Alley a few years ago. Uh, oh, wow. I remember, I remember like, this, for whatever reason, like, I remember I was, I think I was making lunch at the time in the kitchen. <laughs> I have a small TV, and I, I remember seeing it. I'm like, this is this is interesting. Um, but uh, no, I, it's it's such a such a unique film. Uh, I, I would It's got everything. It. And then on to our fun facts. Good news for this big million-dollar release from uh, Monogram Pictures, Poverty Row which they advertise. They're like, hey, you remember us, Monogram Pictures? You know yeah. what kind of movies we make. Hey, we actually put a couple bucks into this one. Must be pretty good. And it, it paid off. It was a huge hit. The film's working title was Glamour Girl. And the exterior of uh, that we see is the Pan Pacific Auditorium, which is in Los Angeles. So mm-hmm. they did they did capture that. Mm-hmm. Um, this was Eugene Pallet's final film. Uh, and he was a, a huge racist. Yes. And was a, also an admirer of Hitler. So fuck that guy. Yeah, that, that's not <laughs> good riddance. And yeah, he really didn't offer much in this movie. So I'm not bummed to find out any of that. I mean, other than just being bummed to find out that a guy like that is out there. But here we go. Um, and then as far as the knife jump went, our, our Belita, she actually was pretty terrified <laughs> to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she even asked for danger pay. But of course, you know, Monogram's not going to give that up. No. The knife blades were made of a hardened rubber. And she only did it once. She she made it on her first try and refused to do a second take, you know, because, hey, we got it. <laughs> why, I kind of don't blame her, I guess. No, absolutely. <laughs> and our Belita, uh, her last name was Jepson Turner, if you're looking for it. She was mm-hmm. from the UK, born in Hampshire, Nether Wallop. <laughs> That's a, quite a name. Yes. Uh, and she skated in the 1936 Winter Olympics. She placed 16th in the singles. 
And then she made her way to Hollywood. Uh, she was trained with, under classical Russian ballet. So she knew dancing, which helped in her career. She did a lot of dancing and skating pictures before signing with Monogram, who put her on a seven-year contract and started with Suspense, which really worked out for her. After this, she had a couple of film noir roles, including the lead in 1947's The Gangster. 19- it's on my list to watch. I, yeah. I'm going to watch that next. and Because it has Barry Sullivan as the other lead. Again. Yep. They had to keep up the good work. Um, yeah. Then you also have The Hunted from 1948 and The Man on the Eiffel Tower the next year, which was a, a British noir. And for a brief period, she was actually Monogram's highest paid star. Wow. She would take on parts in romantic films, though they were often smaller or even uncredited. And in 1957, she danced with Fred Astaire in Silk Stockings before yeah. eventually leaving acting altogether. And she retired in France, lived until the age of 82 and died in 2005. She was great. Great job. Yeah. No, I really like I really liked her in this. She was really cool. Barry Sullivan. Uh, he was born in New York City. He was originally a law student. He went to Temple and NYU, and then he ended up falling into acting while he was playing semi-professional football. He d- did well in the Depression years because of how tall he was, six foot three. Mm-hmm. And they said, "Hey, you could just stand on a Broadway stage and make money." So that's yeah. exactly what he did. He had a decent run on stage and radio before he made it to Hollywood, slowly on the rise at Paramount, where he was under contract, mostly in supporting roles. Today's film Suspense was a turning point in his career, and Monogram were quite pleased with the results and that their gamble had paid off, their million-dollar gamble. Uh, So he's released from his contract at Paramount and picked up by Monogram for a three-picture deal, and he received top billing on their Western Bad Men of Tombstone in 1949, where he was then under contract with MGM appearing as support in mostly melodramas with the exception of the film noir No Questions Asked in 1951, where he had the lead role, which was originally meant for Clark Gable. Hmm. After that, he would star in a few noir films, but mostly lower budgeted ones. Uh, Loophole in 1954 for Allied Artists, Playgirl in 1954 for Universal, and The Miami Story in 1954 as well. Then after that, he would appear where he seemed to be most comfortable, Tunnel Westerns, Back on Broadway, and then he took on supporting man roles in television, where he did quite well. Some interesting things about Sullivan, who's in the Democratic Party, he's an activist, so good guy there. And he was an advocate for the mentally disabled. And in fact, Mm -hmm. his brother was mentally challenged. And later in life, his daughter Jenny found a packet of unsent letters from Barry to his brother, and she made it into a play, which starred John Ritter. Another interesting daughter of his was Patsy. His kid with model and actress Gita Hall, she became the youngest model ever at 12 years old to sign a contract with a cosmetic company. Hmm. And she uh, eventually married songwriter Jimmy Webb. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that. That's, that's a good, that's a, that's a, that's a fact. <laughs> Hopefully the, the listeners are saying that as well, yeah. Dan. Uh, Bonita Granville, she's a huge child star. She played Nancy Drew. So mm-hmm. that, that's going to do pretty well for you back then. Mm-hmm. But she did find adult success with The Glass Key in 1942. I'm sure we're never going to get to that one. Probably not. Uh, and she was in other films as well, mostly in supporting roles, which she was stuck with. And she was loaned to Monogram for this picture and then kind of slowly faded out of acting completely. She married Jack Rather, who would build an empire on the, getting the TV rights for The Lone Ranger and Lassie. Mm. Albert Decker, our friend, he, uh, of course, was blacklisted, unfortunately. Mm-hmm as is the case with a lot of these. And he was found dead in May 5th, 1968. He had a crazy death, Dan, if you know about this one. I do, yeah. Yeah, he uh, was was found with a noose around his neck and 
blindfolded, handcuffed wrists, ball gag in the mouth, some needles. Uh, yeah, something yeah. happened. <laughs> something, yeah. It originally said it was a suicide, but you know there was a lot of a lot of stuff going on, and now they think it was accidental. But yeah, that's a crazy one. And if you want to visit his remains, if you're in New Jersey, go to North Bergen and hit up the Garden State Crematory. I didn't realize that he was in the Wild Bunch. It's been a long time since I've seen that, but I've, I've, that was actually his last role, his last film role. It's a good one to go out on. Yeah. Editor Otho Lovering, who is the co-editor of this film, along with Richard V. Kiermance. He's born in Philly, and he edited about 80 films, including John Ford's Stagecoach from 1939, one of the best, with co-editor Dorothy Spencer. Uh, I don't know who's to blame for the wipes in this movie, but boo wipes. I would say that's my biggest and only criticism of this movie. I fucking hate wipes. Yeah. Yeah. No place. There's only like two or three in this, but there's no need for film wipes, everybody. Speaking of blacklisted, Philip Yordan, the writer, he used his name quite often as a front for blacklisted writers, but also he was known as a credit grabber. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, his contributions to others' scripts were often contested, especially Johnny Guitar, which he took full credit for, but likely did nothing. Um, He also claims to have never read a newspaper until he was 50. And uh, yeah, he seems like a shitty guy, Um, as was director Frank Tuttle, who was blacklisted and named names. He took down many people, including Jules Dawson. Hmm. Yeah, I I thought I read that the King Brothers did the um, was the production team. They were I I thought it was them that they were um, pretty good about as far as giving jobs to people that were blacklisted. I think it was them. I know. Yeah. There was certain I think we, that... I think we really got into that with gun crazy. If I right. remember correctly. Yes. Um, yeah. So more reason to go listen to that episode. Yeah. I remember doing good research for gun crazy. So go listen to gun crazy. Yeah. Sounds good. Had a good microphone by then. There's no reason to, to stay away from gun crazy, but sure. sure. <laughs> That's what we're saying folks at the end of the episode for suspense, go watch gun crazy. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, you know, follow the Warner Archive into, into Bliss, even if it's a Three Musketeers Blu-ray, you're going to have a good time. So great job at Suspense. Was glad to become reacquainted with this movie and then have a physical copy because I did remember enjoying it. And yes. now I can know it's something that's not just the ice skating noir. It's Suspense from 1946, everybody. Yes. But we're going to jump ahead four years to 1950. We're finally doing it. We threatened this episode long ago but we're forced to take on the setup instead. So what episode eight or nine, this should Mm -hmm. have been. Yes. Um, And I believe it was even right around this time we were recording that. So, you know, one year later, there's a reckoning. What are we talking about? It's 1950s destination murder. And I know I didn't cut to a trailer here because I already looked. There's nothing. So, (laughs) oh, no, I can't imagine there being, but I I am very excited for you to watch this one. Yes, I remember this was hyped as uh, interesting, crazy one. And Dan had to watch it last year before we had to put a stop to it. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what we got. But I'm excited to finally get to it. It's been looming over the podcast for the entire time since we failed to do it. And considering you wanted to bring this one in early, it must yeah. be something else. So we're going to find out next week, everybody. I want to correct you, though. I, 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 It wasn't that I had to watch it. I was glad to watch it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I will watch this anytime, anywhere. I This movie is wild. Is wild. We will find out next week. I'm looking forward to it. But if you guys want to keep up with the podcast, see what happens next week. Subscribe. You know, that's a good thing to do. <laughs> right yeah sure you listen to a podcast you should probably subscribe to it 
So go ahead and smash on that subscribe button. You know, go ahead and fire three shots into the subscribe button on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, I see some Stitchers. Uh, other, where, I think I see your, a large you percentage. Get your podcasts. Wherever there you, you find your podcasts, except YouTube. Uh, you know, I intend to, to figure that out at some point, but we're not there yet. You know, we're working on it. We got interns, right? They'll do it. Yeah. God forbid we have the time. But yeah, do that. Feel free to leave a review on, on these things. You can rate on everywhere now, but review on Apple Podcasts is always appreciated. Helps with the visibility of the show and lets other noiro, potential noiros out there know that this is something worth listening to. You know, or you think it's not worth listening to. We're not psyched on those reviews, but honesty is the best policy always. God forbid I would say something sucks. I would never review it. <laughs> so I guess I get understand the silence there, but uh, you know. Other people who are better than us may do so. Uh, so do all that. If I told you to do something, I don't know where this rambling ended, but the real out of the podcast at gmail.com is all I have to say on that matter. Dan, anything else before we close up the episode? I think we pretty much covered everything. Just I forgot to also time. say at the end of this movie, I'm very glad I just remembered this. It's a hashtag mm-hmm. fogcast. I can't believe this didn't come up. Very foggy. So you already knew Dan was all in on this one. Yeah, it. I, I, my only gripe was it, it felt a little bit forced to me. It felt like just because it was tacked on at the end. I mean, I'm fine. Obviously, I enjoyed it. It's not yes. that. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I, I understand what you're saying. It felt more like a, mist, but... a weird mist to me than a <laughs> All right. Hashtag mist cast on this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's something that happened. But yeah. It was cool at the end with the, with, with the last scene where, where she has the gun. And yeah, that, that part was cool. Some good mood. Yes. But yeah. uh, maybe we have more fog coming for you soon. One I can guarantee, at least in title. Stick around and find out. But in the meantime, we're, we're now leaving you. And, and as we do on your way out, you, you, you drink and then you drive. You toast on your way out. I know, right, Dan? You toast and then you, you call an Uber. But, uh, yes. or, you, or just drink anything and toast. Why do we only have to toast with alcohol? We yeah. never do. We're toasting you imagination most of the time. Yeah. A Red Bull, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, just trying to add up the minutes on this quickie of an episode. But, Dan... Fancy Dan. Here's the crime. Ridding.